Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. your spirit, O Lord, and renew the face of the earth. Send out your spirit, O Lord, and renew the face of the earth. Bless the Lord, my soul. Lord God, how great you full of your riches. Send out your spirit, O Lord, and renew the face of the earth. You take back your spirit, they die, returning to the dust from which they came. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. Send out your spirit, O Lord, and renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord last forever. May the Lord rejoice in creation. May my thoughts be pleasing to God. I find my joy in the Lord. Send out your spirit, O Lord, and Today's New Testament reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 15 through 17 and 21 through 26. Listen now for God's word to you. Actually, it's not chapter 1. It's chapter 2. So I'll read that instead. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. When the day at Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, 
and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phyrga and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. An American traveler was on safari in Kenya. Porters from a local tribe carried his supplies, his luggage, his food, his belongings. On the first morning, all awoke early and traveled fast and went far. On the second morning, all awoke early and traveled fast and went far. On the third morning, all awoke early and traveled fast and went far. The American was pleased. But on the fourth morning, the porters refused to move. They simply sat by a tree. Their behavior puzzled the American. This is a waste of time, he cried. Can someone please tell me what's going on here? A translator answered him, They are waiting, sir. They are waiting for their spirits to catch up with their bodies. From the moment the stone was rolled away from the tomb and the first followers of Jesus traveled, from the moment, that moment on, they, they traveled fast and they traveled far, spreading good news, the news of his resurrection. During this time, Jesus appeared to his disciples sporadically, giving them strength and promising them that they would soon receive the gift of God's very spirit, a spirit, he told them, that would empower them, enable them 
to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So when the congregation gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days or so after the resurrection, I am betting that many people in that crowd were exhausted and ready for some help. And who could blame them? It is not easy being witnesses, especially to the ends of the earth. The news they had to share of a resurrected Lord was inspiring and energizing to be sure, but let's be honest, there were practical things to be attended to, logistics that were beginning to wear them down. Who was in charge now that Christ was gone? How much resistance should we expect and tolerate from other people? How far and wide do we really have to go? Where are we going to get the resources we need to do this ministry? What are we to do when conflict arises within our communities? After their initial burst of energy following the resurrection began to wane, and they waited for the Spirit to catch up with their bodies, I wonder if on that day, that first Pentecost, I wonder if those followers of Jesus were starting to think to themselves, or maybe express to one another, that the whole endeavor, the whole mission, while wonderful, was nothing but a dream. Who were they to do this work? David Kinneman writes a lot about the faith journeys of Christians in America and around the world. David is also the father of a teenager named Zach. When Zach was five years old, he wasn't the biggest fan of school. Kindergarten wasn't his thing. He didn't like it one bit. And so as the school year winded down, Zach, on his own, started a countdown that he would announce every morning as he came down the stairs. Four more days of kindergarten! Next day, three more days of kindergarten! Next day, two more days of kindergarten! On the final day, David decided to join in the fun and celebrate with his son the last day of kindergarten. So he made him chocolate chip pancakes with something on top, cream, frosting, I don't know. What do you put on top of pancakes? Anyway, he made him fancy, nice cupcakes to celebrate the day. And as Zach took in the good news and ate the pancakes, he asked his father a question with a smile on a face, his face, a question that rocked his father's world. Dad, how many more days of church do I have? How many more days of church do I have? This is a question, I think, asked by someone who has not yet been captured by the dream that is the church of Jesus Christ. A few years ago in his blog, Theology and Worship, millennial Jonathan Egner wrote an open letter to the church in America. In the letter, he offered thoughts on what millennials, those now between the ages of 25 and 40 or so, were, were looking, what they were looking for in a community of faith. Don't target us, he wrote. In doing so, you've marketed and advertised yourself into oblivion. We're left with homogeneous congregations of approximately the same ages and backgrounds who are just there for what they can get out of the church. No wonder we've left. Just be the church, he writes. Be yourself. Use your regular old liturgy. Offer your regular old sacraments. Sing your regular old songs. Cast a wide net and let anyone come. 
Trust me, we're more likely to show up when we don't feel like fish snapping up the bait. Be inclusive, tear down silos, save us from ourselves. We, de- we don't need more youth group lock-ins, more Sunday school options for each age group, more senior adult outings on beekeeping and genealogy. We need more of each other. We need to look into the faces of old and young, rich and poor, of different colors and races, races and backgrounds, so we can learn to see Jesus in faces that don't look like us. So we can remember that the kingdom is bigger than our safe suburban bubble. That's right, we need community, not bound together by age or economic status or skin color, but wrought with the hammering of nails on a wooden cross. Our internet connectivity is fine, we got that. The rest of our lives is a different story. It's really interesting to me to note what the Spirit did not do when it fell upon those gathered in Jerusalem that day. The Spirit did not comfort them or clarify things by giving them instructions or affirm people for their good work up to that point. When the Spirit came down, it did one thing. It equipped, it empowered all those gathered to build up the church. And it did that by giving them a vision of what it could be. I've long believed that what people need to be inspired is not more words, we got plenty of those, not more information, we are overwhelmed with info, or even more encouragement, more affirmation, we get plenty of that too. I think what inspires people is a vision, a dream of something better, something more. What our city needs a year after George Floyd's death and the subsequent protests, what our nation needs in this season of hyper-partisanship, what our world needs in this time of religious, political, and tribal strife is a vision, a dream of what can be. What our youngest need after a long year of virtual everything, what millennials need who are struggling to find authentic, real connection, what Gen Xers need who are looking for meaning and purpose still, what boomers need who are anxious about the future, what the greatest generation needs as they near the end of their life, what we all need is a vision of what is possible with God. And the church, when shaped by the Spirit, The church provides that vision. All too often, the Spirit of God, I think, is seen as a comforter or a pacifier. We pray for the Spirit to come, to help us in our discernment, to guide our past, and to show us the way. We long for peace and solitude and comfort, so we cry, come, Spirit, come. And that's part of what the Spirit does. But before the Spirit heals and comforts or pacifies, before all that, it first equips, it first empowers. The Spirit gave those first followers of Jesus the ability to speak in other languages. The Spirit gave them the ability to connect with people of different nations, tribes, races, and socioeconomic strata. The Spirit equipped them to build up a church that looked not like the world with all its silos and segregation, but like the kingdom of of God. Many years ago when Pastor Tom Long was serving a small church, on one of his first Sundays he made an announcement from the pulpit to the entire congregation. He said, next Sunday at 10 o'clock 
I'm going to start a pastor's class on the basics of the Christian faith, Christianity 101. If you're new to the faith, he said, or if you'd like a refresher course, I invite you to join me next Sunday at 10 o'clock. The next week, Reverend Long went to the classroom expecting to be greeted by a throng of eager learners, a throng of people crowded in the room. But that's not what greeted him when he walked in. In the room, seated in a small circle, were three elementary school children, three little girls. Despite his disappointment over the next few weeks, Reverend Long did the best he could to teach these three girls about the Christian faith. The week before Pentecost, he said to them, do you all know what Pentecost is? No. So he told them, well, Pentecost was when the church was seated in a circle and tongues of fire came down from heaven and landed on people's heads and it gave them the power to speak the gospel in all the languages of the world. Two of the girls took the news in rather calmly, but one girl got this look on her face of shock. She couldn't speak for a moment, but when she could finally speak, she said in a very concerned tone, Reverend Lon, I think I was absent from church that Sunday. What I find so beautiful about her response was not that she misunderstood the pastor. That happens all the time. What was amazing to me, what's beautiful to me, is she thought that Pentecost could still happen today. That the Spirit could come into her church. And she was concerned that she'd missed it. For a moment, she allowed herself to be captured by a dream of what was actually possible with the Spirit of the living God. The story goes that once when someone visited the studio of Henry Moore, the famous sculptor, the visitor, looking at one of Moore's works, asked him, Sir, is it finished? Moore replied, None of our work is finished until it is seen and responded to. The work that Jesus began is not finished. God's dream of a new heaven and a new earth did not come to be with the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection simply opened up the door of possibility by addressing the anxiety and fear that is the precondition of our paralysis. But now with that door swung wide open and with our fears overwhelmed by an empty tomb, we need only to believe that we have been given what we need to make God's dream a reality for everyone. The Spirit of God came to help us believe in the dream of a church where all are welcomed, all are loved, and all are forgiven. And that work is not yet done. The church is not yet as it should be. Not everyone knows God's justice, God's mercy, and God's love. Not until all of us respond by doing the work, the ministry, and the mission the Spirit has equipped us to do. It's Pentecost, which means the Spirit has fallen upon you this day, right now, in this place, you have everything you will ever need to give people a glimpse of what is possible with God. You have what you need to awaken a love for Christ in the heart of Richmond. You have what you need to make disciples, to grow in faith, and to serve the world. You have what you need to have the difficult but necessary conversations about race and gender and sexuality. You have what you need to do the work of justice, to step across deep racial, political, and socioeconomic divides to converse with those from other nations and communities. 
You have everything you need to be the church of Jesus Christ because you have the spirit of the living God. The spirit is here right now inspiring you with a dream that you are equipped to hold on to in the face of all the changes and challenges and disappointments. The dream of a people united in purpose, a church united in Christ, and a world united in love. How different would church be if you believed, I mean really believed, you have everything you need to welcome all people, to love all people, to serve all people, and to help them know and love Christ. You have everything you need. Today is Pentecost. Hallelujah and amen.